The following contest is scheduled for one fall! I've seen that man before, that's Randy Phil. The other one's some kind of half-man, half-monkey. It's a massive duplex and not one dragon in sight. Hello, welcome to episode 13, Snapdragon Duplex, and today we are going to discuss Revolution, AW Revolution 2021. I'm Mikey Mack, uh, I'm the one at home today, Randy's still at work. Now, all these episodes are a wee bit fucked up, I guess, because we've seen this week's Dynamite, and you've seen this week's Dynamite by the time this comes out. It's just these bonus episodes, man, pay-per-views, they throw us all to fuck. But um, anyway, throw you over to Randy Phil. Hello, Mikey, and hello, Shaggers. Well, Revolution's over. It's a three-hour, 40-minute pay-per-view. Absolutely fuck Mikey covering it and then me recovering what he's gone over. <laughs> I'm trying to run things a wee bit different today, see if it goes a bit smoother, a bit shorter, rather than a fucking three-hour, 40-minute pay-per-view to cover. So I'll let Mikey take the fucking lead on all of this. He can cover the match, cover the spots, say what he thinks, and I'll just throw in my favourite spot of the match and what I think mm-hmm. might be happening going forward with with everyone so Mikey you want to take it away and kick us off with the Young Bucks versus the Inner Circle mate yeah buddy so first things first JR comes on welcome to the revolution and what the fuck is going on with JR's voice he sounds like that fucking admin slug from Monsters Inc you know I'm watching you Wazelski he's got that kind of shit going on but anyway as the night goes on his voice kind of comes back to normal slowly being the fucking keyword First match of the night, as Randy said, MJF and Chris Jericho are taking on the Young Bucks for the Young Bucks AEW Tag Team Championship belts. Randy did say that he thought this was going to jerk the curtain tonight, and it did. They're jerking the curtain. The Bucks come out of the face tunnel, which is a sharp contrast. Last week on Dynamite, I say last week, it was, I guess now it is last week, but yeah, the Dynamite before this show, the Good Brothers came out to save the Young Bucks. They came out of the heel tunnel. So are we to believe that Kenny and the Good Brothers are heels, the Young Bucks are face, but they're all still pals? Bit of a strange dynamic is what it is. We've got a delayed vertical suplex from the Malibu Stacys, and they flipped the bird off to the crowd. That's the first spot that I really liked of this match. Nick Jackson got the hot tag at one point, and he went absolute tonto on Jericho and MGF, and it culminated in a Canadian destroyer on MGF, who sold it like he was made of paper and he was being folded by an origami master he fucking folded all over the place and it looked great chris jericho whipped out a fucking tombstone of all things on matt jackson obviously loving the fact that pile drivers are not banned in aw like they are in wwe so you can whip all these things out he's probably wanting to do these for fucking ages man he remembers the 90s where you could do whatever you want he remembers when stone cold had a fucking functional neck and you could whip out whatever the fuck you wanted right So he's whipping out the tombstones, whips one out on Matt Jackson, then Nick comes in for a springboard 450 hingy, and he misses, and then Jericho just yanks, like Jericho stood back, Nick Jackson landed on his arse, and Jericho just whipped him up into the walls, and I really liked that, it was cool. Jericho smacks Matt Jackson's back with the baseball bat, MGF hits him with a heat seeker, which again I still think is a wicked finisher, and he only gets a two count. So that was when I thought they were going to win the belts, but they didn't. The Bucks retained with a Meltzer driver. And to be honest, I don't think either of us thought this was going to happen, but I'm happy it did. Uh, I think keeping the belts within the Starfish Island Club is probably the right thing to do. It builds up a wee bit more tension. You've got two tag team champs, two lots of tag team champs, I should say, in the same stable. 
So it was an interesting dynamic. So I'm quite happy with this. Let's see what Randy had to say about it. Yep, so the Young Bucks pick up a win with a Meltzer driver on Jericho. The mm-hmm. fucking best bit about this for me is whenever they had the super kick party on MGF and they partied so hard they reset that motherfucker's brain. <laughs> counted it and they gave him eight individual super kicks and one double super kick for a total of ten super kicks. Nice. So, yeah, he'll be feeling that one for a fucking good while. Aye. I like this match. I wasn't expecting Young Bucks to win, but I'm happy they did. Yeah. And then they'll be taking on the winners of the Casino Tag Team Battle Royal. Fuck knows what's going to be in store for Jericho, MGF and the Inner Circle going ahead if they'll want to fight again for the AEW Tag Titles or if they'll have a a few matches between themselves to determine again who is the Tag Team of the Inner Circle, if they need to bring that back into question. Mm -hmm. Yeah, good match. Kicking off next, we had the Casino Tag Team Battle Royal. Take it away, Mikey. Yeah, man. Casino Tag Team Battle Royal. And the first thing I thought was, didn't we just fucking do this at Beach Break? I guess natural story building in the tag team division just isn't in vogue. But, alas, I am mistaken. For we only had a regular Battle Royal at the Beach Break. And this time it's the Casino one, which is the one that they kind of do like a Royal Rumble. Where every 90 seconds a new tag team comes out. But unlike WWE's tag team battle royals where you throw one person over and they're out, this time you have to throw both team members over and that's how you get a tag team out. It was a stramash in absolute no time. As soon as you're bringing out two people at a time, it's going to be overcrowded before you know it. So Luchasaurus and Jungle Boy, they sweeped up the house when they came out. They just fucking nailed everyone. Marco Stunt runs in, did a Hurricanana on Evil Uno, and Uno does an extremely delayed sell. So obviously it was supposed to be Marco Stunt jumped over the ropes, did a Harakarana on Uno on the outside, he's standing on the apron, and he was supposed to get cunted into the ring post and fall out, but he obviously kind of missed the cue a wee bit, and he didn't sell the Harakarana, and then he realised that he fucked up, and then he ran into the ring post and jumped off. So it looked awful. Even commentary were laughing like fuck. John Silver and Pac had a wee face-off, and it just made me realise this is a match I really want to see in the future going forward. Like I really like the the Johnny Hungy thing now. And he's got that wee powerhouse thing that Pac has. And yeah, really good dynamic, man. It was good to see it. Yeah, like a pure baby face going against a proper bastard. You know what I mean? It was great. And then at the end, we were left with two members of Death Triangle, Pac and Phoenix, facing off against Jungle Boy. And then Jungle Boy gets Pac out. And we had a mini-match between Jungle Boy and Ray Phoenix. And you're just like, fucking hell. Spooge fest. You just knew. There's just two people. Spot monkeys. It's just my kind of shit, man. I just love them both as well. And then my boy only went and won it. And you called this fucking months ago now, mate. At the turn of the new year, you said that you thought Death Triangle were going to get the tag team belts this year. And I really hope... And I also think that you're right. Now, let's hear what you have to say about it. Well, Mikey, your boy's done it. Death by angle <laughs> wins the fucking casino tag team battle royale, whatever the fuck it was. Mm-hmm. It was a decent result. My fucking big point of the match here was QT Marshall committing Rumble suicide because he has a bit of a fucking disagreement with the Nightmare family. Yeah. And more specifically, fucking... Dustin Rhodes. Yeah. I wonder if this is going to be QT Marshall turning against the Nightmare family. We called this a few weeks back whenever we said that uh, Lee Johnson was rhyming through all the coaches of the Nightmare family 
and left out QT Marshall, so maybe he's yeah. got a bit of resentment there. I remember that. I'll be happy to see where that goes. Mm-hmm. Uh, another thing with this Royal Rumble, I liked how they done it as individual entrances and they kept the timer up in the back there, just so we know who was going where and when. Yeah. The final four of the match was a good four. We had the Death by Angle, Jungle Boy and Young John Silver. Yeah. Just a fucking good match. A great final four. Really showed off these four guys. Yep. And I'm excited to see Death by Angle or Triangle. Who is it going to be? Is it going to be Ray Phoenix and Pac? Or is it going to be Penta in there somewhere yeah. for a title shot against the Young Bucks? That'll be a fucking great match. Yeah. And then we got a wee short backstage segment with Paul White teasing the legend, mm-hmm. saying that no one can outwork this guy, whoever he is. Yeah. And he also just mentions about AEW Dark Elevation and that he's got to be the colour commentator. So does that mean he's got to be the fucking cunt? <laughs> Time will tell. I don't know if I'll tune in for this. What about you, Mikey? Will you watch Dark Elevation? And did you have any further thoughts on who this legend might have been after Paul White said that no one can outwork him? I'll give it a try. Fuck it, I'll give it a try. I feel like it's probably my duty to give it a try. I mean, I, I, I never watched Dark. I never watched it. I know you watched a few episodes, but I don't know. It just didn't appeal to me. I'm not that big on second shows. Do you know what I mean? Like these kind of ones that you don't really need to watch. I've, I've got enough wrestling in the week. But yeah, I'll, I'll probably give it a bash a couple of times and see if it's any good. Yeah, when he said no one can outwork this guy, I was I just got flashbacks of don't work yourself into a shoot, brother. And I thought, fuck me. If it's Big Racist Terry, I'm switching the telly off. So that's all I could think. I'm switching it off. Uh, yeah, so that brings us to the next match of the night and maybe the first disappointment of the night. Or it wasn't... It was a bit disappointing, wasn't it? It kind of finally sunk in that this... Essentially this rando who's smashing Isla Rose is now in the title picture. So fucking here we go. And both these cats looked absolutely fucking gassed after 10 minutes. So the rest of the match looked very sloppy and quite tired. And there was big spots, but they were slow and they weren't quite in sync. And it was like I was saying last week that I was actually quite looking forward to this match because they've had like a long rivalry in Japan. So you expect them to kind of have a lot of chemistry together. I didn't see it. I didn't really see it. Um, I think they're both great wrestlers. I've re- like she does really grow on me. And this Rio Mizunami last week, I was I, I didn't really enjoy that match that much, but. I kind of liked her presence and stuff. I thought I thought she's got like a good kind of personality and stuff in the ring. I, I said she was a wee bit like Nakamura when he's at his most kind of charismatic. So, yeah, this disappointed me, man. It absolutely disappointed me. Uh, Shida retained, so it was a fucking nothing match. The, the fucking tournament was just to fill up TV slots, I guess. Yeah, and then Shida gets jumped by Nyla Rose, who has no fucking right to be there. She lost fair and square last week. So, get to fuck, Nyla. What you doing? And then Britt Baker and Reba, or Rebel, whoever the fuck she wants to be called now, and their mate, is it Miko Ita? Something like that? I think it was the first time that I'd seen her in a while, and I was just like, who the fuck's that? Um, They came out, they were bastards, and then Thunder Rosa came in for the save, and I was just like, this was shit. (laughs) Oh, man, I didn't enjoy it. I didn't enjoy it. What did you think, mate? Yep, so the AEW Women's title match, Hikaru Shida, the champion, taking on Ryu Mizunami. I have no notes for this match. Hikaru Shida wins, retains her title, and then all the excitement kicked off after the match when we had that all wrestling 
female edition. So, with everybody kicking off in the ring, I was wondering is there going to be a multi-woman match for the title in the near future? Because we've got so many now that it could easily be. Like, you've got Britt Baker, Thunder Rosa, Serena Deeb, um, Layla Hirsch, I'd even like to see her, Nyla Rose. It could be anybody, so I'd like some sort of, not a tournament, but a big title match. See, like how WWE done that championship scramble match. It was like a 30-minute match, six people in the ring, and just any time somebody scored the pinfall, they became the new champion. A match like that for the AEW Women's title, I'd like to see that in the future. What are your thoughts, Mikey? Have you got anyone you would like to see in there? The champion plus five challengers? You know what, mate? That's a really good idea. I think that'd be a really good idea. I think that would kind of get a bit of excitement, a bit unique. You can make it absolutely mental. <sighs> Britt Baker, that's the only person I think should be the champ. That's just it. I just think Britt Baker should be the champ. She should hold it for ages. She should cheat the win all the time. Be a total cunt. Give it some prestige. And then lose to a natural babyface who builds their way up. AW are good at that kind of long-term booking. I don't know. Maybe, maybe I'm just not getting it. Maybe it is. Maybe there's something I'm missing when I'm watching the division. But I'm just not getting it, man. I'm just not that into it. And it's a shame because I hate to compare them to WWE. But WWE's women division is one of my favourite parts of the show every week. I can't help but compare it. And it's just not there yet. And it's a shame. So, I don't know, mate. I think your idea of doing something a bit wild. Why not do something like a fucking... Why don't you just give the blood and guts match to the women? Give them a women's war games like they did with NXT. Fuck it. Let's just see something mad. Something wild. Yeah, let's do something like that. Yeah, that brings us to the next match of the night. It's Miro and Kip Sabian versus Chuck Taylor and Orange Cassidy. We cut to backstage. You get Miro smashing the shit out of them. And then he drags Charles out, as he calls him, to the ring. He's got him on the ramp, sorry. And he's got the mic in his face and he's going, say no to this match. I mean, we don't need to have it, mate. Simple as that. You can tap out now. And he goes, Ring the damn bell. So here we go. Orange Cassidy's nowhere to be seen. So Kip and Miro are beating the living crap out of him. And then all of a sudden, here comes OC. OC came out. He started kicking ass. He... Just a showcase of how good a wrestler he is. I mean, like, he's... One of the things that made me fall in love with AW was just this character of this really lazy sloth who was just hilarious comedy wrestling... But then when you when he turned it on, he really fucking turned it on. He was a, he's a great wrestler and believable as well, even though he's very slight. So he was kicking ass. Miro shoved Orange Cassidy into Penelope Ford at one point. That's when I started thinking, yeah, we're going to get this Miro monster singles run that we've been wanting. He's finally going to get booked as a monster. And uh, Miro wins the match with a uh, camel clutch. I don't know what he's calling it these days. It was okay. It was all right. I mean, it was... It wasn't bad. wasn't a highlight of the night. What do you think? Between the wedding party and the best friends, I was a bit surprised with this match. I didn't think it would be as one-sided as it was, but as soon as Miro and Kip Sabian jumped the best friends backstage, that was pretty much the end of it for there. Yeah. The big thing that I noted for this match was that Penelope Ford got a bump and Miro, Kip was out checking her out, making sure she was all good. Miro was getting agitated as fuck and he threw Kip in the ring, forced him to make a tag. Yeah. And then that let Miro get in and get the finish. So I think if we got to get a super heel move for Miro mm-hmm. and could Kip turn face in these two face-off in the future, mm-hmm. that'd be cool. Fucking Miro and Kip go over. They win with a game-over submission. 
Yeah. It was a short match. I didn't expect the heels to go over quite like that. But you just know for a fact this isn't over, so we'll see where it goes for here. The best friends have a good fucking case of we got jumped. That was not a fair match in the yeah. slightest. But we move on and we've got uh, is it Alex Marvez backstage with the inner circle who are pissed off about losing. Mm-hmm. Jericho's all up to fucking high though and MJF is just so raging that he can barely speak. <laughs> He's just staring daggers through Jericho. Mm-hmm. Um, Jericho announces that on AEW on Wednesday they're going to have an inner circle war council. Yeah. So I'll tune in there and see what they've got to say about the Young Bucks and mm-hmm. see if they've got a claim for another title match. But I doubt it. MJF's just... His brain is reset. That's how I'm going to be a face now. You got any thoughts on what you think the War Council is? What's going to kick off on Dynamite? Before we get into the Adam Page and Matt Hardy big money match. Someone phone the council! Someone phone the council! No, I don't have a fucking clue, mate. <laughs> oh, well, I, I guess I do. I mean, MGF was implying that he wants a change. So I thought he was going to try and take over, right? Now, I've seen this week's Dynamite. Today is the 12th of March, so I have seen it. Um, but I'm not going to say I'm not going to say. I was right. Yeah, so next match was the big money match. Matt Hardy versus Hangman Adam Page. So in the wee promo thing leading up to this, Hangman Adam Page calls him a money-grabbing, carny, son-of-a-bitch, piece-of-shit asshole, which is excellent. It sounds like he's been listening to this show. He's swearing very well. Anyway, Matt Hardy was doing... Very good veteran ring psychology shit, you know, working Page's arm, and the commentary were like, oh, that's the arm he uses for the buckshot lariat, he's trying to neutralise that finisher, and you're like, oh, yeah, okay, there we go, they're kind of hamming it up, that's pretty good, he's doing a lot of joint manipulation, he's doing biting, he's kind of fighting a bit like Broken Matt Hardy, and every time I think that, I just go, oh, Broken Matt, I miss Broken Matt, I miss more of Lons. Uh, Adam Page did this moonsault to the outside and it was like it looked like it was in slow motion at that point i was just like he's quite similar to Shawn michaels in terms of the way that he works like i think more like older Shawn when he was like you know during triple h's fucking horrible run when he was champ for a million years and then you had Shawn michaels kind of wearing the brown trousers kind of trying to come back looking like he shat his pants that was my favourite run of Shawn Michaels. That's the one I remember most as a kid. Because, I mean, his first run, I was too young to watch it. So, yeah, that's what I like when he's working like that. So, that moonsault, I was like, oh, here we go. He's got the cowboy pants on. He's doing the fucking perfect moonsault to the outside. I was like, yeah, very Shawn Michaels. Very nice. Anyway, enough wanking over Shawn Michaels. Private party. Some shenanigans. Dark Order come in to even the score. Keep the private party out of the match. And Hangman Adam Page wins with the Buckshot Lariat. Even though... Apparently, he's been neutralising it the whole match. I mean, I would have kind of liked an angle where he went for the buckshot lariat at some point during the match and he couldn't hit it hard because it hurt his arm. And, like, Matt Hardy just kind of, like, got out of it after a two count and he's like, oh, yeah, it's a really weakened version of it. So he had to hit it, like, twice or whatever to fucking finish the match. Or pulled someone else out of the bag. I don't know, he, like, hits Matt Hardy with a twist of fate to win or something, but... Hey-ho, I love the Buckshot Lariat. Good match. I'm happy Adam Page won. I feel like this is going to be the start of Matt Hardy versus the Dark Order and Adam Page is not really going to be as involved in that. Hopefully, I'd like to see him do his own thing with the singles stuff. What do you 
make of it, my friend. Yeah, so Highman gets the win after the Dark Order come out and help him eat even the odds against Private Party and yeah. Matt Hardy's cronies. Mm-hmm. There was a couple of spots in this match that I just I need to get out. Um, Adam Page goes for a buckshot lariat and Matt Hardy kind of ducks it, catches him with a side effect into a twist of fate. Yeah. That could easily have been the match over for there. But now nah, you can't have Matt Hardy taking Hangman's money <laughs> when he's already down and on the drink. How's he got to fund all that alcohol? <laughs> and then the very last spot in the match, you've probably called it. Adam Page gets knocked off the apron. Matt Hardy punches him, he falls back in the dark order are there to catch him and put him back up like the saviour that he is, and he hits the buckshot lariat for the win. Mm-hmm. I like this match. Fucking Matt Hardy's well got to be pissed off with the Dark Order getting involved, and this will set up Matt Hardy versus the Dark Order. And I think that's the right call here, because um, just have Matt Hardy in fighting with these boys, and you'll get each of them established. I don't know how many you've got. You've got press 10, so you think there would be at least 10 the Dark Order. Yeah. You could have Matt Hardy fighting him for the rest of the year easily. So far, I would enjoy that, I reckon. And then I think we're moving on to the face of the Revolution match. You want to take it for there, make it? Before we quickly move on to that, I just wanted to say that would have been a potentially really funny angle as if Matt Hardy won and Adam Page had no booze money and he was just like a beggar. For Q1 of 2021, he was walking around with a wee cup singing songs and dancing and shit to try and get some money <laughs> so he could buy some booze. Or he was winning matches so that he could win money. I don't know. He was winning matches for booze. You could have done something with it, you know what I mean? He could have had a match with Jericho for a little bit of the bubbly. Right, I'm taking this too far now. The face of the Revolution ladder match. So this was Cody Rhodes versus Lance Archer versus Scorpio Sky versus Pentagon El Cerro Miedo versus Matt Caster versus... All ego, Ethan Page. Who the fuck is Ethan Page? I don't watch Impact. I feel like I need to watch shit like this now to know who the fuck these people are. Anyway, some dude, right? There's all those dudes that we know versus some dude that I'm sure you know. They put the fucking brass ring up above the ladder. It looks like fucking Sonic the Hedgehog's wet dream. Who Who decided to put a fucking big golden hoop above the ring and be like, ah, anyway, we'll come to that, how daft it looks when they win it. I loved Penta's ladder ramp to the outside. See, he put the ladder ramp up onto the ropes. You've seen it before, but he ran up the ladder, smooth as fuck front flip off it, and it was just, ah, glorious. Absolute Bobby Roode. Ethan Page does a razor's edge, which he calls Splash Mountain, although this week on Dynamite, he called it the Eagle's Edge. I like Splash Mountain better, but maybe Disney didn't he? So he did this Splash Mountain, name redacted, on Scorpio Sky, who lands on the ladder, which Archer was sandwiched between. So that looked a bit sore. Then Archer bench presses a ladder with one arm, right, from a prone position, through Ethan Page off of it. And then he flies back and lands into a backstabber from Penta. And it was just, it just looked great. You had Archer looking like a powerhouse and Penta looking like a fucking snaky bastard. And that's what you wanted. You're kind of like bringing these people's characters out in smooth transitions. That's what I love about these kind of ladder matches. Like, like Money in the Bank matches and stuff. And th- this is a Money in the Bank match. And I love these. If everyone can keep in character throughout the match, it's just perfect. That's the best Money in the Banks you can get. Penta hits Cody with a Canadian Destroyer on an elevated ladder on the outside, so he did the destroyer from the apron onto the fucking ladder outside, and it was brutal. The fucking ladder bounced, and oh yeah, it looked horrible. Not as bad 
as when Finn Balor went through it a few years ago when he bounced off at like fucking 10 foot. But it was close. It was about 75% of a Balor. A Balor. Didn't get the R. So Cody decides to go for a wee lie down backstage. He's got all the medical staff taking him out, but he's walking out. So you're like, can't be that fucking bad if you're walking out, mate. Just sit down outside. Just do a Roman Reigns in Royal Rumble and just sit in the corner. Archer knees Scorpio Sky off the top rope through a ladder. That was cool. Lance Archer's been smashing every cunt at every point. He climbs a ladder. He gets hit by Ethan Page. And then he no-sells it. He, like, punches him on the back. He, he doesn't sell it at all. And then he drops down off the ladder and lamps him. Then Ethan Page fucking punches him in the knob. As you do. And then Jake the Snake's out. And clotheslines... Clotheslines? Man, that's a hard word to say. He clotheslines Ethan Page. Penta then super kicks Jake. What a bastard, by the way. That man's collecting a pension and you're fucking kicking him in the jaw. And then Cody comes in, does the shittest Cody cutter ever. And even JR's like, yeah, you'll never see an uglier Cody cutter. And that's the thing I like about JR in AW. Like, he might fuck up all the time. But you see when he calls things as being shite instead of getting your whole Michael Cole, he didn't get all of it. JR just goes, yeah, he did that move and it looked crap. <laughs> it's just great. So anyway, we end up with Cody and Scorpio Sky on top of the ladder, your usual spot with them punching each other. And then Cody's thrown off and Scorpio Sky pulls down the golden hoop. And I would never have called this. I just wouldn't have. It's a wee bit like Money in the Bank last year when Otis won it. And you're just like, oh, the one guy I, I, I said wouldn't win it is the guy who won it. So that's what happened. He looked like a fucking idiot holding up a Sonic the Hedgehog ring. But I'm happy for him. I mean, he's been around a long time. Yeah, fuck it. Why not? I mean, the match is going to be a dynamite next week. I mean, I've already seen the match, but you weren't expecting it to be like a massive match. Do you know what I mean? You weren't expecting it to be a successful title shot. It was cool. It was nice to be elevation for him in SCU. And I like a surprise. So, yeah, great ladder match. Uh, a lot of fun. What did you make of it, Paul? Yeah, so Scorpio Sky wins the brass ring by beating off Cody on the ladder. That's a bit of phrasing there. I mean, beating Cody off the ladder. Another spot of the match was just um, Penta doing the Canadian Destroyer to Cody on the ladders that were set up Mm -hmm. between the crowd barrier and the ring apron. Done the Canadian Destroyer there and it looked as though it fucked Cody's shoulder. This is just Cody doing his typical heel move where takes a wee bump, looks as though it hurt like fuck, and then he'll just kind of cower in the corner. Bastard. But that's too simple for Cody. He can't just cower in a corner. Cody needs to make the big song and dance about it, and he takes his time limping up towards the entrance, and you can see that he's heading out towards the face side of the entrance. I'm like, nah, that's that's not the way you go, Cody. (laughs) But that's just how he sees himself, isn't it? He thinks he's the dog's bollocks. Fucking... He just wants to be in camera shot the whole time. He can't just let the boys have their time. No. Euro tunnel for him. It, that didn't last long. He made his way back down to the ring. And as I already said, he got beat off by Scorpio Sky. <laughs> so here it is. Big legend time. Big reveal. And it is Christian Cage. I'm buzzing for this. It's going to be good to see Christian. I think he said that he, before the Royal Rumble, the last time he wrestled was maybe like seven years not including that fucking absolutely daft lights out match that he had with Randy Orton. Mm-hmm. It'll be cool to see where he's, he's coming in, how he's got to slot in, who he's got to fight with. Jenkins could go up against Matt Hardy at all. Maybe. Again, and more Christian Matt feuds. 
That'd be mental. Yeah. Oh, what did you make of this, Mikey? Were you chuffed it was Christian? Were you surprised it was Christian? And who was your first feud going to be Christian taking on who? Christian, Christian, at last he's on his own. Yeah, I was fucking buzzing, mate. I was actually shocked. I mean, the rumour that was going round after the Rumble was that Christian was going to be doing some part-time work with WWE. And that was the last I heard on him. So I was sitting there going, oh, they're just going to wait till Mania. They're going to give him a fucking match at Mania or a spot with Edge at Mania or whatever. And then, holy fuck, here he is, AEW. He's got an Outwork Everyone t-shirt on. He's here full time. Um, he's been talking to Tony Khan. He says, if he, he basically said, as part of the deal, if he was coming over, he wants to wrestle all the time. He says, everything that was niggling and naggling him for years, all his wee injuries and that, they're gone. He, they've had time to heal. It's been seven years or whatever, like you say. And, um... This just makes me want to see the match. The one match that we all want to see. We all want to see Christian Cage and Hangman Page versus Ethan Page and Brian Cage. That's what we want to see. So, book it, Tony. Book it. The next match that we've got tonight... It's the one I was looking forward to, buddy. It's the street fight. The cinematic match. Woohoo! Ricky Starks and Brian Cage versus Sting and Darby Allin. So it starts off... Ricky Starks and Brian Cage... It's like a fucking Tekken cutscene. They jump into this crushed frog green, like Grand Theft Auto whip they've obviously bought from Starfish Island Dawn. And uh, they drive their way out to a warehouse that looks oddly familiar. And all of a sudden you're like, yes, this is the Hoodlum's Warehouse. Look at all the smashed windies. It's gotta be. It can't be any other warehouse. So anyway... Darby is skateboarding around, Sting's driving in an absolutely dirty truck, and um, Darby hitches a ride by grabbing the back of Sting's dirty bumper. They roll up to the warehouse, they walk in with loads of minions, a bit like Undertaker's fucking druids, all wearing like face paint and shit, and they're walking in with them, and there's a ring in the middle of the warehouse, because... Street fights all need a wrestling ring, right? That's the whole gimmick of them. And anyway, they both get in the ring, and then Sting starts the match by launching Darby Allen at Brian Cage like a fucking snowball. One issue with this match became very noticeable straight away. Commentary over a cinematic match? How are we feeling about it? Personally, not a fan. I think it's better without it. I think it makes it feel more like a street fight without it. Well, it's not even for the fucking fans, is it? It's it's for us at home. Yeah, they should have fucked that off. Anyway, it didn't ruin the match. It just, it, it hampered it a wee bit. But um, it didn't ruin my enjoyment of it. So, you start off, you've got a traditional wrestling match in the ring between Sting and Starks. And then you've got an action movie fight going on at the same time between Darby and Cage. And you've got these really nice drone shots. Or they're like zipline shots. You know, you know what you're getting in the Champions League. You've got the big zipline cameras going over. It's like that zooming right from the ring right over to the back of the warehouse with Darby and fucking Cage and Darby is getting battered like he's fighting Jason Voorhees or something and the selling of that the the way they built that up that Cage is this unstoppable monster is brilliant it just really protects them throughout the whole match it really makes them feel like a big deal so they're kind of doing the opposite thing with Sting and Starks you've got Starks kind of like throwing stuff and yeah you've got Sting's the aggressor in that one you've got Brian's the aggressor in the other one Big Brian. Starks ends up shouting at Sting, you're nothing without that bat. So Sting throws the bat up into the fucking, up through a window into what is presumably the second story of this building, right? It was quality. You're nothing without that bat. 
what am I now? And then he just shits his pants anyway. <laughs> I enjoyed that. Cage ends up carrying Darby Allen up the stairs in a vertical suplex stance. He's a pure roidy bastard. And you see when you do see that, you're like, you Mexican supplement cunt. Anyway, that's when it's confirmed that it's Sting and Darby's hoodlum house. So they're fighting in this kind of like shitty part up the stairs where presumably the baseball bat ended up. Hook and Hobbs turned up. They end up swinging Darby. They're holding him by his legs and his feet, so his hands and his feet, and they're doing the a one and a two and a fuck you straight through the window. And it looked really sore to be honest with you. So he kind of went, went through a window, hit the wall, and then the window kind of collapsed on top of him and like bumped him on the head. <laughs> I was like, ouch. Darby ends up finding the bat that we mentioned a couple of times and he throws it to Sting and Sting starts cutting everyone with the bat and then he hits Cage so hard on the back that it snaps. And that's why I love gimmicked weapons, man. We need more gimmicked weapons. It makes it look so cool. Anyway, Sting lies Cage down. So they go back down the stairs and Sting lies Cage on top of this big fucking... It looks like a countertop of some sort, right? And then Darby comes out of nowhere from the second story, does a coffin drop and goes straight through Cage, straight through this fucking counter and they're both dead. And it's fucking amazing. So they're both dead. They're both out of the match. Sting and Starks are in the ring. And then there's some bastard antics by uh, Starks. He exposes the turnbuckles, he kicks him in the dick. And then Sting ends it with a scorpion death drop. And it's a 1-2-3 Sting and Darby win. And I thought it was fucking great. I really, really enjoyed it. I love a cinematic match. And they're actually better when they're few and far between. And I think they should keep them. I really hope they keep them. I wish they didn't have the commentary. That took me out of it a wee bit. Especially because Taz was on commentary and he's going like, Oh, that's not good to my boys. And you're like, shut up Taz, man. Just shut up. But other than that, class. Really, really liked it. What did you think of it, mate? Well, Mikey, you called this one right in the last podcast. For me, this was the match of the night. The Hoodlums versus Team Taz. I just fucking loved this match start to finish. I thought it was a great cinematic match. It was a cool idea to have a street fight taking place at the Hoodlum headquarters and putting a ring in there. That was mad. (laughs) The spot of the match for me was... Clearly, Darby Hardy mm-hmm. going into this match and thinking, what the fuck can I jump off of? <laughs> and, of course, it's got to be the top of the building, isn't it? Jumps yeah, off no. the top of the building. I don't know if it was a coffin drop or an elbow drop, but it just fucking put Brian Cage through whatever the fuck it was. Mm-hmm. So they two are essentially wiped out. Does that mean if Scorpio Sky just shows up on <laughs> fucking... Dynamite Wednesday for his TNT title shot that he's got to win because Darby is not coming back for that. Because Darby's dead. <laughs> yeah, I fucking love this match and I will 100% watch it again mm-hmm. at some point. So take us away for the big main event of the night, Mikey. The main event of the evening. We've got the exploding barbed wire death match. Kenny Omega versus John Moxley for the AEW Championship belt. The referee is in a hazmat suit, which is fucking great. Breaking bad. So, yeah, the general shtick of this match, you've got barbed wire on three of the ring sides. Not the one in front of the ramp, because they need to get into the ring without cutting themselves. They're rigged up with explosives. Every time you hit the ropes, the explosives go off. After 30 minutes, everything blows up. There's a huge explosion, apparently. The whole ring blows up or whatever. But the match can still go on. So, presuming if you're not in the ring when it blows up, you can go back to whatever's left of the ring and finish the match. Moxley has his kendo stick. He fucking loves a kendo stick. So he's using a kendo stick quite a lot in this match. 
Kenny hits Moxley in the face with a fistful of coke. You know how our boys love the cocaine. And throws him in the first exploding barbed wire ring ropes. And we get a big bang! And the kind of fucking sparks go off and all this of it. Uh, it's daft, but I, but I love it. I can't, I, I can't say I don't. It's really stupid and fun. Um, Moxley blades straight away. Typical. Uh, Kenny puts him in a figure four. Uh, then Moxley, to get his way out of it, uses a chair wrapped in barbed wire as cheese grater to grate his way out of it. And it is fucking yuck. It yuck. Uh, Kenny Omega goes forward into an explosion on the ropes. And you get another bang in the sparks. And then fl- <laughs> goes backwards into the same explosion. And it goes bang and sparks again. And I thought it was only one bang per rope. But I think, but yeah, but apparently not, right? So then at this point, I'm like, fucking hell, there's loads of blood on Moxley's face. Did he bleed or did he go hard way? But I mean, by the end of the match, there's not much blood on his face left. And I was like, he bladed and he was just sweating a lot. Probably from all the explosions. Uh, Kenny hits a lovely snapdragon duplex. Nice shout out to the show there, Kenny. Always nice to hear from fans. So thanks for that, mate. Your t-shirt's in the mail. Uh, you keep hitting them, we keep calling them. Simple as that. So... Kenny rams John Moxley into the ropes. They both get hit with the bangs. Bang, bang. Kenny ends up playing that he's blind. So he starts like washing his eyes out in the middle of the ring with a water bottle, which I, I was laughing at it, right? And then they do a slow-mo shot and John Moxley's a fucking tooth down now. He's, he's lost his tooth, which, come on, in a death match, that's class. Any other match, you'd be like, oof, poor bastard. But this match, you're like, yes, baby, that's what you need, right? There's a jumping paradigm shift from the apron to barbed wire exploding board on the outside this match is fucking nuts isn't it it's funny everybody these big spots because they're not that disgusting except in cheese grater spots i hate cheese grater spots but like these spots aren't disgusting they're just funny and fucking wild so i spent a lot of this match fucking laughing but in a good way i'd really enjoy it. it was like watching an episode of the power rangers just a lot of fucking bangs and sparks and people flying everywhere but not much cohesion. Like, you don't really know what's going on. <laughs> but, um, yeah, you can at this point, you can definitely confirm. This is the point I was mentioning before where the blood's cleared and you can just see it's a tiny wee cut in his head. So that that was good. At least it was a blade. It wasn't a fucking... It was a dirty blade. They love them in fucking AW, don't they? Anyway, on this subject, fucking Kenny Omega's giving himself a wee dirty blade as well. He's bleeding too. John Moxley starts doing his shtick when he's using the barbed wire as a knuckle dust. He did this, he did this when he was fighting uh, Eddie Kingston. Oh man, it's fucking rank. Like, why why are you holding barbed wire like that, man? It's fucking disgusting. Don't do that. It fucking starts. They basically say, the ring will self-destruct in T-minus 10 seconds. And it's Kuntun to Boomtun. So, they both sell the siren kicking off like the fucking trumpets at Armageddon. Moxley starts hitting a pile driver. Then Omega kicks out. He tries to pin him again frantically. He kicks out. Omega hits a powerbomb. Moxley kicks out. He hits him a V-trigger one, V-trigger two, one-winged angel. Moxley puts his foot on the ropes and sets off a fucking bang. <laughs> Omega chops off him when he's going to fucking win. Great. Fucking great. Uh, I don't know. if In an exploding barbed wire death match, or any no disqualification match for that, that matter, if you put your foot on the ropes, does that actually break up a pin? I guess it probably does because you need to pin them within the within the ring, right? And they're and they're outside the ring, so that's probably the only thing that would break something up. Like you don't have to break up a submission if you grab the ropes in a no in a no DQ match, but everyone does. Even the heels do, which is stupid. I would just hold it until you fucking snap their arm, and then piece of piss. You know what I mean? John Moxley gets the barbed wire bat, 
And then here comes the good brothers with a bat for Kenny. And it looks like a fucking rich kid's candy floss. It is huge. Uh, he cunts Moxley. In the- <laughs> he cunts Moxley. And it explodes. Right? He's got an exploding baseball bat. That's why it's fucking huge. Jesus fucking wept. John Moxley kicks out. At this point, I'm I'm pissing myself laughing. I'm like, this is bonkers, right? It's gone full Power Rangers. One winged angel and a three count. Omega wins like a complete bastard. And that finisher is still protected. And I was surprised they even did the foot on the ropes thing because with with after after the one winged angel, I think they should have just hit three V triggers and then done it. The one winged angel is supposed to kill you, right? So like him being able to be conscious enough to put his feet on the ropes, ugh, doesn't matter. And then here comes Starfish Island himself. Uh, the commentary are saying, the explosives are still armed. Remember, fans, the explosives are still armed. So we're like, oh, these are going to go boom, right? Starfish Island decides to run away, which was class. Totally in keeping of his character. We start realising this is going to go boom, right? Good Brothers handcuff John Moxley, start stomping him, cheese grating him with the big candy floss bat, smacking him with the big candy floss bat. And then the fucking purge alarm goes off. Murder is going to be legal in 59 seconds, it seems. Starfish Island Club, fuck off. Moxley's left in the ring. They're fucking killing the cunt. He's lying there, handcuffed after being hit with candy floss. All I can think of is, won't someone please think of the goddamn children? Eddie Kingston comes flying out to help him. Eddie Kingston? Okay, this is happening. Eddie Kingston. Eddie Kingston comes flying out to save him. And that, that was my thought process. I was like, oh, Eddie. Oh, Eddie. Why is it Eddie. I don't know, it's Eddie, right? Fuck it, it's Eddie. He can't get the cuffs off, Roman Reigns. And then he covers him up like he's going to save his life. And then the explosions are just sparklers. <laughs> and at the time, I was like, that's funny. And the crowd are booing. And I'm like, what bastards, by the way? Like, they just wanted to wind you up. It's like Stone Cold when he had the gun to Vincent Mann's head and he pulled it and it just said, bang 316 on it. It's exactly like that, right? So I, 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 was, I was pissing myself, thinking, very good, very good, AW. And then later on, after the after the show, Tony Khan tried to play it off as kayfabe as well. He was saying, oh, it was, it, was, it was all kayfabe, it was all kayfabe. And um, apparently, Kenny Omega went absolute apeshit backstage. So it was a botch. Apparently it was supposed to be a massive boom, which was why, after the sparklers went off, John Moxie was lying there for about a minute pretending to be dead right and kingston was lying on top of him and i think they were sitting there going like has it happened yet has it happened yet they're waiting for the big boom and then they realized oh fuck it's it's not worked right so this match was fucking wild but i loved it it wasn't my favorite match of the night i do agree street fight was match of the night this was a close second i really enjoyed it i was wondering if they were going to write moxley off because he's going to go have his kid and all that and then have kingston trying to like chase the belt while he's away which i thought would be pretty cool and maybe that was the idea once it went boom you could write both these guys off for a while because they've both been exploded but um that's not what we got so we we don't really know what they were going to do originally um off the back of them both dying but overall this was a really good pay-per-view i really enjoyed the battle royale i really enjoyed the ladder match i really enjoyed the main event and the street fight was my match of the night uh, I thought the women's match was a bit disappointing. It was alright. It wasn't really poor, but noticeably gassed out. Kind of ruined it a wee bit for me. And the tag match at the start, I thought it was okay. It was alright. 
and the other tag match as well. They're both okay. There was no truly bad matches in there, and what was good was fucking really good. So, yeah, a great pay-per-view all around. Mate, why don't you tell us about your main event? How did you enjoy it? See, this is where I'm disappointed that we couldn't do this one live, because I would just uh, <laughs> loved to hear your reaction from what you made of this match, and specifically the end of the match. Yeah. I'll get my spot out of the way first. I liked that John Moxley kind of kicked out, using air quotes here, of that one-winged angel by getting uh, his foot on the rope and causing an explosion that just fucked up Kenny Omega. Yeah. That was cool as fuck. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Kenny Omega eventually wins, gets the one-winged angel in the middle of the ring, gets the pin, one, two, three, clean. And that fucking explosion, what was that all about? <laughs> they built this up for weeks. Kenny Omega was making the John Moxley extermination chamber something another yeah and he fucked it up yeah this is why you don't try and do a diy job pay mm-hmm. a professional don't just fucking look it up on youtube google it <laughs> pay the right people for the right job and you get better results yeah i mean the explosion looked faker than don Callis's tan <laughs> and whenever i seen the sparkles going off i thought hold on we're getting a a surprise sign in here AEW have signed Gilberg. <laughs> nah. Was that... I don't know, was that a poor ending? Was that a fucking tease? They're not going to put in real explosions, obviously. Did they just not hit the right button? Did something not go off? We may never know. But all in all, I fucking really love this pay-per-view. I'm glad I paid the fucking £15 or whatever it was on Fight TV for it. Mm-hmm. And I will watch it again when I go home. Home on Tuesday coming... Yep. We'll have one more recorded dynamite like this, and then we will have a live show, hopefully, when I get back. Yep. We can have a, a bit of a chin wag about it, Mikey, if we get the time. Fucking too right. But yes, that was my thoughts on AEW Revolution. Love the pay-per-view. Thank you very much, Mikey, for taking the time editing this, putting it all together. Remember, all your shaggers listening, go follow us on Snapdragon Duplex. Mm-hmm. Go get us on all the podcasts where you're already listening, obviously. And go get me on fucking Twitch, at Randy Phil on Twitch. Get me followed. I'm going to be playing a bit of Call of Duty, a bit of Outriders, and obviously a fuck ton more Fall Guys with a bit of Resident Evil. Thank you very much for listening. Take care, stay safe. Love you, Mikey. You absolute shagger. Cheers, buddy. Uh, thanks for that, man. I know... It's hard to record them when you're busy at work. Uh, I've been there, felt that pain. So cheers for sending it in. Uh, yeah, that's another episode in the fucking bag. Uh, yeah, go follow us, Snapdragon Duplex. We're on Instagram. We're Dragon Duplex on Twitter. Uh, we've got the website, www.snapdragonduplex.co.uk. We are anywhere you want to find us. We're probably there. Randy, Phil, on Twitch. Go give it a like and a follow and a subscribe or wherever the fuck you give it. And thanks very much, you beautiful sweaty marks. I will see you next time for Dynamite. Peace and love. Peace and love.